Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. I'm so thrilled to be connecting with all of you. I'm Dr. Pat. You're listening to the Dr. Pat Show on Transformation Talk Radio. Oh, my goodness. I am so excited. We are creating some very, very cool little videos for our upcoming technology, which is our Positive Media Mojo uh, and our crowdfunding campaign, as well as characters for our Lyme disease effort. You know, somebody said to me this was a beginning year, and I didn't really quite get the sense of that, but what it's come to mean is even though there may be some things out there that we have coming over into this year, it has taken a while for things to get done. So the beginning part is like when you've worked on technology for two years, like we have to bring positive talk to places all over the world. And actually we were inspired by a caller from Dubai. Um, And so, you know, we have said, What do you all want? And you've told us, and we've been building it. And pretty soon, we're going to ask for your help to uh, get our crowdfunding efforts off the ground only because we want to get it done sooner. But today, this show is kind of about that. It is looking at, do we just roll over in our lives because what? some chronological idea that somebody else gave us about what we should or shouldn't do given a certain age and how that should play out. Well, today, Virginia Bell is joining me here today. Midlife is not a crisis. Using astrology to thrive in the second half of life. You know, I think about this especially, Benny, because of the Seattle Seahawks. Now, why do I dare mention them? Anybody that watches the Seahawks knows that they begin to thrive in the second half of the game. Why is that? Is the first half just kind of strategy and warming up? Are they maybe confused? Have they been listening to things that may or may not be true in their heads? Well, that's why Virginia's joining me here today, because I think we might be a lot like, a lot like uh, the Seattle Seahawks. She's been a full-time astrologer since the 90s and currently writes a horoscope uh, uh, column and celebrity profiles for CBS Magazine. But beyond that, she's taken on a conversation that many of us keep to ourselves. The time is not to be silent anymore. This is a journey. She has laid it out in a beautiful way in her book. And Virginia, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much, Pat. I'm honored to be on your show. And you know, uh, 
Go ahead. <laughs> you know, you and I were talking about the show Chef Rossi and I do mouthing off, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, I love you, it. You wouldn't think two girls from New York, right, <laughs> would at some some later stage in life would be taking that conversation to the forefront. But you talk about this. You know, age can't keep us back, can it? No, absolutely not. And I'll tell you, one of the most important things that astrology has taught me is that we all bloom at a different time. I mean, a rose is not less than a, a daffodil because it blooms later in the season. We all have our own individual timing, and we need to trust it and honor it. Um, don't quit before the miracle because, you know, we're always comparing ourselves, right? I mean, that yeah. happens even if you're not a Virgo, which can be very, they can be very hard on themselves. <laughs> but we compare, and you just don't know. I mean, uh, I, I heard once uh, Jane Fonda, when she was on Oprah, and she says it all comes together in the third act because in the theater, sometimes the first two acts don't make sense. Then you go out during intermission, you come back, and the third act is when it comes together. And I have found that to be true uh, for myself, certainly, and for many other people um, later in life. You know, that is really when uh, things can really come together in a way they couldn't come in the beginning. Uh, You know, people always talk, you know, getting old is hard. Well, you know what? Not for me. Young was hard. Young was devastating. Young was hard. Oh, my God. I was stupid, scared. I had no (laughs) skills, no support. I didn't have a clue about who I was or where I was going. And it's only as I've, you know, gotten older that things have kind of fell into place. And I am the most surprised. I was not a happy person Mm -hmm. when I was young. I was cute, but I was not happy. And I had a lot of problems. And it took me a lot of therapy. But as I've gotten older, I really began to feel happy, especially in my 60s. I was shocked. Yep. Yeah. You know, let's talk about this because you and I both can sit here. I love that you're talking about a Virgo because my best friend, she's been my best friend. And actually, she booked a show. Linda, she's our producer. She's been my best friend since 1973. And I think she's like a triple Virgo. Thank goodness, because I'm not. You need a Virgo in your line of work. Yes. Oh, and in my chart, if you saw my chart, it's like I got four planets in uh, Sagittarius and four in Capricorn. My moon. Capricorn. I mean, I need a Virgo. Yes. I need a Virgo. But you know, having be that combination of Sagittarius and Capricorn, you're a visionary. That's a Sag, but you also have the staying power and self-discipline to make that vision real. So that's a beautiful combination. Oh, thank you. Um, some people say I'm a little crazy because I wake up one day and I got an idea and I'll come into office and, and into the office and I'll say, let's do it. Oh. Right. So it's so it's not they're like, oh, my gosh, which which is the priority of this? But, you know, here's the thing I love about what you've written about. Midlife is not a crisis. But I got to tell you, I wonder how crisis gets us here. What are some of the obstacles, challenges that you had to overcome? What did you have to overcome to even take this topic on? Oh, my God. My whole life has been a crisis. But, you know, in the Chinese um language, the word for crisis is made up of two um, symbols, danger and opportunity. 
And so I've had a lot of crisis in my life, and it's taken me a long time, you know, to, you know, get it all together. But, you know, I have had three lives. I was, you know, in my 20s. I lived in Europe. I worked in the Mm. film business. I came back at my Saturn return. You know, when you get serious, you, you know, make a commitment. I started a restaurant in New York, one of the first natural foods restaurants in New York, I thought, oh, how hard could that be, open a restaurant? I'll do it for six months, you know, what the hell? And that lasted for 20 years. I had a vision. I didn't know any. I never went to culinary school or worked in a restaurant, but I had a vision of health food in the 70s that could be a little more exciting and sexy than the macrobiotic food. And it took off. It took off. And I did really well, and I grew in the process. That was the main thing. I, I really um, I learned how to work, to show up. It was wonderful for me in my 30s. And then I thought, well, things are really going well in my 40s. <clears throat> I'll open another restaurant in the Berkshires, too seasonal. Did it with my sister, and it was a beautiful restaurant and everything. I lost, I lost everything. Mm. And there was a crisis there, but Here's the thing, Pat. I love, there's a quote I once read, and it said, how far high failure overleaps the bounds of low success. So although I lost everything and put pressure on the restaurant in the city, which was doing well, I uh, was up in the Berkshire and someone handed me a book on astrology. And I, wow. you know, it, it, I knew about astrology. I had an astrologer at my restaurant in the restaurant. I mean, my restaurant in the city he ate and you know i got readings <laughs> and, but i was always running over there you know like when is it going to get better when i'm going to meet my soulmate you know when's the crisis going to be over i didn't realize that astrology was a tool for self-discovery and that it was deep and psychological and spiritual and the book this friend of mine up in the berkshires lent me um, was by Stephen Forrest called The Inner Sky, and it really was life-changing. It, um, it, it was mythological, and it was poetic, and, wow. and I, it really spoke to me. And I wasn't thinking of a career, but because I was going through so much, so many crises, I was going back and forth between the two restaurants like a package, you know? Mm. Uh, you know, every week I was going back and forth on the train, and so I would be reading astrology, and she had his name and number in the back of the book, so I called, I got a reading, another reading, and this is one area that wasn't contaminated by all my problems, so it became a very uh, wonderful study. Then I closed the restaurant in in the city, because I, you know, the... uh, in the early 90s, you know, the the economy wasn't good and everything, and I didn't have the money to get a new air conditioner and so forth, and I said, I've got to get out. And I remember the last day I was walking on 10th Street thinking, dear God, you know, I'm too old to be a waitress here, so please, please, (laughs) you know, show me the way. And, you know, I had a lot of detours. As I say, I'm a late bloomer. I'm a slow learner. My life has been about all these kind of detours in different directions, but I began to study astrology, and I began to write uh, columns for some magazines, but I also had a house in the Hamptons that, with a big mortgage now, because I had refinanced it to use the money for the restaurant, and also paying off the restaurant in the Berkshire, yeah. and that was the crisis. At that point, I'm in my late 50s, early 60s, 
And I knew that, you know, these generational cycles that I wrote about in the book, the early 60s is something where the planet Uranus makes an aspect to itself, and it's a time to take some risks. And I knew that um, I had to do something because I was a gerbil on a wheel. I mean, I was doing some astrology. I was writing some columns, but I was also dog walking. I was working a PR firm. I even taught methadone uh, computers in methadone clinics. I had never turned a computer on either, but that made me, you know, easy to talk to people that were nervous about the computers. Any case, it was a crazy time, and I thought, I got to take a risk, and that risk was selling my house in the Hamptons. It broke my heart Mm. because it was my sanctuary. But I was, at that point, I was in my early 60s when I sold the house, but I realized I I wanted to write, and I wanted to do this book. I wanted to do astrology, and I, I couldn't do it So, with all the pressure, financial pressure. So I did sell the house. But here's the thing. It freed me up to write and do astrology. And I realized just only lately that, you know, wow, that house meant so much to me because it was, near the water, and it had these old trees and everything, and it was a real refuge. But I realized that the refuge I have now is an inner one, not an outer home, but an inner place. And I also noted something else in my 60s. I began to feel really good. I mean, happy, and I was not a happy person. Believe me, it wasn't even on my radar, that word happy. I mean, sometimes I'd feel okay, but not happy. And I noticed, you know, I that a lot of people, the whole aging landscape was changing. Yeah. And you know, there was a wonderful uh, a book, um, my time, and they and the woman had a quote in there that when something like um, there's we get an extra what do you call it a bonus decade now because of the way people are aging. There's a bonus decade be somewhere between. Middle age and old age. Really? Yeah. A personal renaissance is going on, she said, that bonus decade that comes between middle age and old age, because people are aging differently. Right. And just like there's been, you know, structures have been falling and, you know, it has a lot to do with the planet, but what has been building up in our society, but, you know, old structures, whether it's, you know, uh, corporate structures, mm-hmm. government, uh you know, have been, you know, being changed now. And so is the way people age. That's another yeah. structure. Things yeah. are opening up. There's a, this is not an easy time in the world. Mm-hmm. And, but there's a bigger conversation about, you know, uh, gay and, and transgender people. There's, you know, aging is, it has changed, you know, maybe, you know, because of the baby bloomers and people are taking better care of themselves. And it's a different, it's a different world now. It is a different world, and you know we can't hide. We can't hide much anymore. No, you, you cannot. You, you, mm-hmm. you know you can't hide. No. And one of the things I love is as I'm reading your book, I'm really struck by two things. One, I think we're redefining midlife, and what yes. I mean by that is when when my grandparents were growing up, midlife was probably looked at as about thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, we are really the midlife of today is actually the first trimester, yes. uh, if you look at because 
everybody's saying, you know, uh, 40 is the new 60. They're not even saying 40 is the new 50 anymore. I mean, rather, 60 is the new 40. They're yeah. not really saying like 10 years. They're like, wait a minute. Yeah. I, I, I'm just warming up at I had a woman that um, was was talking to me the other day. Uh, I get to play table tennis on Sundays and this woman's like 84 and I didn't know she was 84. And, you know, because when you're playing with someone and you're just in there having fun, age doesn't come up. Mm. Age is not an issue. But there are some people that look at age, and especially from an astrological point of view, you know, there are some folks that may think, at, wait a minute, I am just uncomfortable. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's my age, but maybe it's not. Maybe yeah. it's astrology. Yeah, and maybe it's you need a new purpose in the second yeah. half of life. <laughs> yes. Right? I mean, we, yes. you know, at our Saturn return at 29, that happens for all of us, you know, Saturn is that planet of reality, responsibility, mm-hmm. hard work, it's the Dr. Phil of planets, you know, get real. And at 29, I don't care, you may be saving lives, you know, in your early 20s in an emergency room or making millions, but you're not quite an adult until you hit that Saturn return at 29. And that, we really begin to grow up, you know, and then, you know, that, that is a pivotal point. And, you know, then, of course, um, we have a second Saturn return at 58, because 29 years later, the first Saturn return is more about what we want to get. You know, we're building a, an identity. We, we, if we're doing it right, we take on some channel, challenge, you know. We start a business. We start a family. We go back to school. We work hard, and we grow from that. That's the Saturn return. We're laying down a foundation, you know, for, you know, our life in a sense. Um, the second, and, and we're building something, you know, uh, carving out an identity. But the second Saturn return, what happens at 58, we need a new identity. doesn't mean we're going to retire and, you know, uh, or we may refire, not retire, you know. Right. But we need to begin to prepare another identity that will be more aligned with who we are in our elder years, you know, uh, whether it's writing that book or, you know, just volunteering. I mean, 58 is young. You're really a baby elder at that point, mm-hmm. you know, a rookie. But it's a beginning of a great passage. And just like the Saturn return when we're, you know, in our late 20s, early 30s, we're trying to uh, get something. The second Saturn return at 58, it's like, what do we want to give? What kind of elder do we want to become? We need another task. What's, what is the purpose for, for the rest of my life, you see? So we need a new vision then. And people do. At 58, you know, Frank McCourt, he, that's when he met his third wife. And she right. said, you know, get out of the bar. Stop telling your stories <laughs> to your cronies. Write them down. He published it at 64. That's not a book he could have written in his younger days. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I was really struck by in, 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 in the way that you've written this book is that you give us an understanding uh, of things that may be happening that 
that have very little to do with the way the pop culture talks about age, right? Yeah, uh-huh. well, Anti-aging, right? right? I mean, oh. what does that even mean? Anti-aging, what does that mean? Um, but you talk about cycles. You talk about, um, you know, I remember reading in your book, you talked about Jung and how he believed in cultivating. Yes. Um, and yes. he was huge, yeah. huge in this. Um, he was the first one to really um, mm-hmm. talk about midlife as that process of individuation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to ask you this question. Um out of out of everything you've put in here in the book, and you have so much, um, what would you say is one of the more misunderstood planetary occurrences? And what I mean by that is each planet has its shtick, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People, oh, that planet. Oh, well, mine is Jupiter, right? Oh, that one. Oh. Right. You know what? Wh- which one here in your book, if, if there's a couple I pulled out, but which one do you think people misunderstand most? And by misunderstanding, we're kind of missing the, the mark. Yeah, because first of all, Pat, that's a great question. And there's no bad charts or bad planets. You know, it's mm-hmm. all potential. It's what mm-hmm. we do with it. And I don't believe if, you know, if you go to an astrologer, a card reader, a psychic, and someone says, well, this is the way it's going to be, and so forth. That's like an embedded command, mm-hmm. you know, and um, we have to be careful of that. And I think sometimes people think they're bad planets, you know, Saturn is heavy and, oh, Jupiter <laughs> is good. Well, hey, <laughs> Jupiter is not all good luck and lotto. No, and no. Saturn's not all <laughs> hardship. You know, Jupiter can be um, overextension, overexpansion. We see some people in the current administration you know, have that problem, you know, but we love Jupiter. Jupiter is faith and it's goodwill, but it's not all as cracked up to be. And Saturn's not all bad. Saturn teaches us discipline and Saturn teaches us how to work, how to show up. And we need that. So sometimes I would think of mis, you know, information about the planets, like it's bad or Mercury retrograde, which is about to come up. It's bad. Well, it's not bad. Uh, you know, sometimes we need to slow down yeah, and yeah. rework, rethink, rewrite yeah. something. It's, there's not that there's nothing bad and there's nothing. It's not all good in a chart. We want some, hopefully some nice flowing aspects, but we also want some difficult ones because I always say, go to any bar, you'll find the trines and trust funds. Go to the AA meeting, go to the therapy, you'll find the people with the hard aspects, the difficult charts. That Those are the people going to work on themselves. So yeah. there's not any bad, anything bad. It's how we, it's the potential. Yeah. And I think that's really what I was struck by in reading your book. It's like, wait a minute. Um, you know, radio supposedly is ruled by Mercury. And right. I've never seen for us a Mercury in retrograde that showed up and, and something bad happened. Oh, I as love a that. matter of great. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, for us, what it does is it seems like Things that have been percolating come to the forefront. You know, we get more new hosts and clients when Mercury goes in retrograde. And we watch this very carefully because 
everybody out there is like, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't sign this. Don't do this. And I'm thinking, my gosh, does the world stop when Mercury goes into retrograde? No, some people are winning the Olympics or, you know, Academy (laughs) Award or, you know, whatever. Yes, that's true. And it may be, you know, certain people who are born with Mercury retrograde, that could be a very favorable time for them. Yeah. Uh, Now, before we get going here, first of all, I, I, I would love for people to know more about you. What's the best way for folks to do that? Well, I, I have a website of virginiabellastrology.com, and I'm on Facebook. And, um, yeah, if they go to my website, I do have a lot of my – I send out a newsletter periodically called the uh, um, Astrology Cafe, and that's posted on my newsletter as well as, you know, some of the um, uh, blogs and articles I've written on Huffington Post and Mm-hmm. Great. Awesome. And then the book is available pretty much everywhere, right? I think so. Yeah. It came yeah. out April 1st. So Yeah. Yeah. I love that. April Fool's Day, one of my favorite days uh, of the year. Um, I want to just make sure we're going to take a short break, everyone. If you have any questions for Virginia, please give us a shout. 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. Are you ready, willing, and able to redefine midlife? If it's not a crisis, then what could it possibly be? For more information about me, go to the Dr. Pat Show or Transformation Talk Radio. Mr. Benny, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with Virginia Bell, 1-800-930-2819. Give us a shout. Do you ever feel as if you're working twice as hard but only getting half as far? Are you trying to connect with your path in life and finding it elusive? Mainstream Metaphysics Radio is a weekly call-in show where we harness our connection with the universe and use what is in our power to affect change for optimal success and happiness. This hit show bridges the divide between what is and what we do not know. Eve, named one of the country's top psychics, also known as the MBA Psychic, invites you on this journey for this live call-in show with readings, featured guests, leaders, and visionaries in both business and spiritual callings. So join Eve Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com as she takes metaphysics mainstream. For more information about Eve, visit EliteTarot.com. That's EliteTarot.com. Awareness is universal. Establishing a living awareness through meditation brings peaceful, healthy, and creative well-being into your everyday life. The practice of living awareness, Spirit Fire's own meditation practice, is built on this belief and is designed for every level of practitioner. Each year, Spirit Fire hosts living awareness meditation retreats that allow you to explore the practice in depth at our retreat center in beautiful Western Massachusetts. Introduce yourself to meditation and the practice at the Foundations Retreat. Attend, in silence, a silent meditation retreat focused on mindfulness, presence, and nature. Or be engaged with the meditation sittings themselves at the Deepening Retreat. 
Start adding to your awareness and attend a meditation retreat designed to cultivate consciousness in your everyday life. For details on attending a Living Awareness Meditation Retreat, visit upcoming events at www.spiritfire.com. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by. I am so thrilled to be talking to all of you. We have got talk radio for all of us. Are you ready and willing and able to accept all of the abundance you can muster up in your life? Check us out at drpatcho.com, transformationtalkradio.com, transformationradio.fm. Oh my goodness. Be you plus live your purpose equals joy. That's the motto of Unstuck Joy with Vicki Todd. Vicki believes you were born with gifts that are meant to make the world brighter. Each show will feature an art visioning journal prompt to help you create your way to soul clarity. If you're ready to get unstuck and create more joy, this show is for you. Tune in every month on Transformation Talk Radio. For more information, visit VickiWorldArt.com. Today is going to be the day that they're going to throw it back to you. By now, you should have somehow realized what you got to do. I don't believe that anybody feels the way... Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Midlife is not a crisis. Using astrology to thrive in the second half of life. Virginia Bell, my very special guest today. Um, And it's a fabulous book, uh, folks. It really is because it introduces things that, you know, for many of us, we've looked at, we don't quite understand. And, you know, Virginia, what you've done is you've put in here many, many, many stories uh, of, you know, of people that um, have looked at their midlife journey, your midlife journey. And, you know, there's a different way to look at it. And so here's the question I asked before Mm -hmm. the break. If it's not a crisis, what is it and what can it be? Um, Well, you know, I think, you know, if, if you have a crisis, then that's a good thing because we can't change our life unless, you know, unless we're aware of things, you know, like the poet Rumi says, the pot drips what's in it. So mm-hmm. a crisis could be very good news. You're ready to deal with something you weren't ready to deal with before. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when a crisis happens, it can, it's an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I found that with myself uh, many, many, many times, and I've had a few of these along the way. Um, I think the question I th- for me uh, and, and for our listeners, um, is there any one sign that has a better opportunity than the other, or does that not have much to do with it? My sense is from looking at, you know, what you've written in the book and you use some, you know, a lot of people that we know, um, you talk about, you know, people creating a, uh, I think I wrote it down, a new paradigm, a new paradigm for a fierce elder. And I think Gloria Steinem, Helen yes. Mirren, yeah. you know, right. Uh, Diana Nyad, who I interviewed, Louise Hay. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I would love for you to talk about what that means and how that shows up, because these were just ordinary folks, just like me and our listeners here. But there was something that they did 
that was different, wasn't they it? They hung in there. I think. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. hung in, right? Yeah. Diana Nyad, she didn't give up. I mean, right. Gloria Steinem, I mean, she did not have an easy life. No. You know, we see how beautiful and brilliant she is, but, you know, when she started out and she became famous uh, first, you know, uh, from the bunny tail, you know, mm-hmm. that she wrote about. Uh, and then, of course, that morphed into a, you know, eventually a New York Magazine, Ms. Magazine, uh, and becoming a feminist. But she was panicked about speaking and and, and actually um, got a bad reputation because she would not show up, not because she was, wasn't responsible. She just was afraid of crowds. And then she finally started to... Um, to go on these t- speaking tours with with a friend, and together, you know, they were able to. She was able to learn from that. But even at fifty, um, she got breast cancer, mm-hmm. and that really changed her life because she had to slow down, and yeah. she went into therapy. And that's one of the cycles at fifty. And sometimes a an illness can be a catalyst for change. And then she wrote that book. Um, the revolution from within about yeah. her crippling um, self-esteem, lack of self-esteem. So yes, on the surface, she's kind of brilliant and beautiful, but it wasn't always easy. But I will say she is an Aries with Mars conjunct Aries and with a Leo moon. So she's got some nice astrology going for her. But sometimes the people with the most difficult charts, they are the ones that have the tenacity you see, and her life growing up in horrendous poverty and having to take care of her mother at like 12 years old. She didn't go to school. She had to take care of her mother who was, had a nervous breakdown. Not an easy, not easy at all. So, yeah, I, I mean, and, and then the loss of her husband. I mean, Pardon? I've I, the loss of her husband. I yes. interviewed her three times oh, and wow. I, I met her uh, when I worked in for the telephone company. We brought her in to speak. But the loss, the loss of her husband. Yeah. Uh, I mean, devastating, and she Absolutely. just doesn't quit. No, she doesn't, and I think that's what it takes. Is, is you know, um, you know, you just keep going, and and takes as long as it takes, and you know, you never know when that miracle is going to come. And I think if you're doing something you love and and you're committed to it. It doesn't mean you're famous or, you know, but you, mm-hmm. you, you have a purpose. And it was um, Maggie Cohen, you know, the activist who was forced to, uh, forced to quit her job at 65. Mm-hmm. And, and um, that's when she started uh, the Grey Panthers. And she said there must be a goal at every stage of life. There must be a goal. And so I think having a purpose and, you know, and having a purpose with meaning, having a way to get up in the morning, something to get up for, and something that brings you alive. Like I love the quote by David White, the poet, anyone or anything that does not bring you alive is too small for you. So having something that brings you alive, that I think that's what keeps someone going and what keeps someone young. Look at the, you know, the uh, conductors that live to be such a, such an age, you know, and the painters too. Well, you know, one of the things I was, I I was really struck by is when I was reading about the, the secret of the second Saturn return. 
Oh, yeah. uh, and and you know you have a beautiful quote by Angie Arian in here. Oh yeah, um, yeah, she was amazing. Um, but this idea of a second Saturn return, and I would love for you to talk about it a little bit for our listeners, what it is and what it could mean for people. Oh, I love the second Saturn return. You know, because for one thing, the first Saturn return when we're twenty nine. Yeah, it can be it can be a little uh, difficult because we're young. We don't know who we are. But the second Saturn return, I found, um, was easier maybe because we have more miles on the meter. We have mm-hmm. some wisdom. The hormones may go, but then so does the drama. At least it did in my case. And, you know, the second Saturn return... Um, you know, it's about becoming an elder, and I don't mean an older, uh, an elder. And not everybody who hits second Saturn return becomes an elder. That's an archetype elder. There's another archetype available called the old fool, mm-hmm. you know. So that comes with wisdom. And the second Saturn return, um, it brings wisdom and, I think, maturity that we have. And so we have to, the key of the, the success of the second Saturn return is, uh, to find a task that is worthy of the rest of your life, you see. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think uh, having a life review, uh, I think, is a good idea. I love, you know, I wrote a lot about Rabbi Zalman Shakhtar Shalomi there, mm-hmm. a wonderful, wonderful man who was a great rabbi and had a big congregation, but he, at his second Saturn return, was kind of lost and went on a retreat realized he was being initiated into being an elder. And he came away from that re-energized, and he ended up uh, teaching, studying about, you know, eldering and and um, gerontology, and then also writing the book From Aging to Saging, which is, to me, uh, the best book I've ever read on, mm-hmm. on aging. And um, I think, too, a big part of the second Saturn return is finding a, an inner life. You see, uh, David White uh, has said at one of his CDs, the great journey as we get older is exploring the inner landscape. So I don't necessarily mean religious, but spiritual or, or just time in nature. But we definitely need to simplify our lives. That's a big part of it, you know. Miriam Woodman talks about that we need our resources for and our strength for our spiritual strength, for our inner life, you know, and letting go of uh, things that are, you know, emotional clutter, yeah, yeah, uh, physical clutter. That's a big part of the second Saturn return. But that having a purpose and a goal, which is less about ego and more about meaning, we can still be successful and famous and ambitious, but it's got to, it comes more from an inner need than an outer ambition. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And that's why I wanted you to talk about it, because I think one of the most important things that we can do is really get in touch with what's going on on the inside of us. Yeah. Um, and, And I think part of this too is, you know, looking at what things in life have to be burned away, Mm. moved away or shut down. And, and I think that's important to look at, but, you know, not looking at it in a way where we believe this is the end, because in fact, 
um, you know, it's, I, I see it as a transmutation more than a transfer formation. Do you know yes, what I mean? Yes. And I think, um, the woman who wrote the great book on Chiron talks about mm. that, um, that wor- uses that word as well. Yeah. Now, Chiron, let's talk about Chiron, because oh, many people Chiron. don't know Chiron. What did they just right. say? Well, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, the thing is, I just want to say sure. one thing about the second Saturn return. Mm-hmm. What I love about it is that it is at 58, and it be- and that's mm-hmm. just the beginning, and, it, you know, those Saturn years are into your 60s. So for people to know that things are always beginning, Mm-hmm. You're not at the end of something. You're at the beginning. So, and, uh, but the Chiron return, uh, that happens around 50. And Chiron is a minor planet. And I even don't even like calling Chiron a minor planet. It sounds, uh-huh. you know, kind of putting him down. But in mythology, Chiron was a great hero. And he was born half man, half horse. He was a centaur. And his father was Saturn, his mother was Philra, a wood nymph, and both abandoned him. And he raised himself in a cave and was mentored by Apollo, the sun god, and who taught him astrology and homeopathy and medicine. And, and he became a great teacher, Pat. He became mm-hmm. the teacher of all the sons of the great men and gods, and he taught them to be the heroes they were meant to be. At our Chiron return, we have an opportunity to become the heroes of our own life. Around, it's like 49, between 49 and 51, Chiron returns to where it was at birth for all of us. And that is a lot to do with healing. So at our Chiron return, it's an opportunity to do healing and um, on a deep level family healing, generational healing. And I love the, um, the Ho'oponopono, the, the forgiveness, uh, yeah. the Hawaiian chant. I'm sorry, please forgive me. I thank yeah. you. And I love you. To me, that really speaks a great deal about, uh, the Chiron returns, not so much about therapy, unless that's needed more about healing and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But here's the other thing about Chiron uh, that period, oftentimes some kind of failure or some kind of um, uh, failure or loss or health challenge can be right. a catalyst. And that was true for Gloria Steinem, you see, right. where she uh, had breast cancer, but it also mm-hmm. forced us, her to do a lot of healing and looking at her life. And sometimes people come into our lives. It's a very synchronistic kind of time. Like I was up in the Berkshires and someone handed me a book that changed my life. Those things happen around our Chiron return. And um, we change our story at our Chiron return. Um, Not all relationships have to fail, but they need to be renegotiated. Renegotiated, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. um and also it's it's a great time, you know, to work on our health because for women it coincides with menopause. Mm-hmm. And Christian Northrup, the MD who um has written so many great books like The Wisdom of Menopause, she wrote in that book about her own Chiron return. She used that term that she 
got a health, had a health challenge, and she also got divorced. But again, it changed her life at that time. So it's a, again, it's one of those cycles that happens to all of us, but it it can be profound because they're all happening in a different area of our chart, and so at a different sign. But each of these cycles um, are powerful in their own way. They kind of open a window where there was a wall. Things can shift. It's like we come to a crossroads. Right. Right. And, you know, let's talk about the crossroads for a minute, because sometimes a crossroads seems as a crisis. So, for example, to me, um, almost to the day of my um, second Saturn return, uh, a 14 year relationship ended. That was devastating to me at the time. But I probably wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing if it didn't end. And. And and that's what I love about what you've written in the book. You know, things may happen to us, but they don't always mean that we are a failure. We should have done it differently. Right. How do we keep our eye on the target? And what I mean by that is how do we keep our eye on the future? How do we keep our eye on thriving, as you say here? Well, I think. You know, for me, I know when I feel down and, you know, and I get distracted or, you know, feeling like I can't do something, I I go back to the basics. For me, personally, I go back to whether it's the music, the books, the poetry that remind me who I am. And I think that is important. you know, having a gratitude mm-hmm. journal, having a happiness jar. I know they sound simplistic, but I found that, you know, feeling good no matter what is going on. I, and I mentioned the book. I uh, I didn't read the whole book, but that book, Happy for No Reason, yeah. was kind of a, a, what is like a Oprah moment for me, yeah. you know, an aha, because, oh, what a brilliant thing. I could be happy you know, because I'm eating, you know, my lovely cereal, my great cup of having a great cup of coffee or visiting a friend, that it's more of an inner thing. And and that kind of freed me um, and kept me going, you know, rather than getting stuck. So, you know, even if I'm stuck, okay, then if I'm stuck, my whole life isn't stuck. What else, what isn't good in this moment? You know, what small thing is, is, worthy and rich and delicious in this moment and let me celebrate that rather than just shut down so does that make sense yeah and what i want to say about it is that for people that are listening you go through and you give us many many stories about different things um, you, uh, you know, the one that I think is super important, too, is, you know, we talk about the politics of aging. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about it as political. I look at it more as the marketing of aging yeah. because the world we live in today, it is a pill, potion or lotion. <laughs> Take this, do this, don't do this. But what I'm really happy is, to see is I'm happy to see that there is a counter offer to all of that. Yep. And I think that's what you're writing about. I think aging has changed tremendously. 
and our concept of aging has changed, and that's important. You know, where we see films with older actresses. I love that, TV shows with older yeah. actresses and the models, you know, in their 70s and 80s on, you know, at Fashion yeah. Week. and uh, But also just ordinary people um, carving out great careers late in life. Mm-hmm. I love, I, I just love that, and it's inspiring. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, first of all, there are more, more of us, you know, there's how many, um, what, 55 million people over 55 of age, and that's, you know, uh, that's just going to grow or double by 2030, I think. And the over 85 group is the fastest growing segment of the population. And, and so advertisers know that. I mean, yes, it's there. Of course, they, there is a profit in that. But people are taking better care of themselves. So they're changing the image. And I think that is really essential because in the past, we've demonized old age and idolized youth. And I think that is, to me, um, I think that it's almost like when we, when we talk about, um, aging in a negative way, even terms like senior moments send a message and it's like prejudice against our future self, like autoimmune disease, you know, the body attacking itself. And I think, um, we need, we need to, um, we, I think many people project feelings and fears they have on the older people, that they're frail, they're stooped, they're uninteresting, and that is dangerous for all ages. And anyway, I think we need to humanize older people, elder people. Otherwise, we're setting ourselves up to fail. Yeah. How we and speak it, about them. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, it is a level of respect that has to transcend whatever else might be going on. You know, we live in a society, uh, as, you know, my my mom used to tell me, you know, Pat, listen, you don't want to generalize. But basically speaking, the United States doesn't really come up on top when it comes to caring for elderly. Absolutely. And, and, And she was from the South, so she would say it with the Southern draw and talk about the the power in the community, especially of people in the South. Um, and yet at the same time, we're not known as that collective culture. I mean, clearly it's not like living in Mexico. It's not like living in some European states. Um, what can we do better? I'm not talking about government. What can we do better as individuals of, of creating a, a new level of respect for our elderly? Oh, that's a great question. And I think interacting with them and, you know, being a part of their lives, whether it's family, friends, community, um, you know, in, in Europe, uh, in Netherlands, and I think in uh, Norway, they there are a couple of places that have um, older, whether it's uh, senior citizens assisted living or yeah. you know nursing homes where they have young people renting yeah. rooms and in some cases giving them free rooms in exchange for volunteering mm-hmm. and um i think you know there's more i read i see online you know articles about you know these granny pods that you can build in your backyard or something where you can have 
you know, your relatives live with you. I do think there is more of an awareness, and I think that we, if, if only to create an awareness in the world of that, and that intergenerational uh, idea of intergenerational living, that Mag, uh, Maggie Kuhn, um she was a big uh, believer in that, and that's very important. Uh, but also just, I, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but becoming aware of that, speaking differently about aging and learning more about it so that we don't have it, we don't stigmatize it. Mm. Well, you know, this is really, when we think about this, the way you've approached this in the book is really giving us insight so that we can make a decision, conscious decision, as to whether we're going to, you know, be in the victimhood um, right. that, that some might want to, us to be in, or we're going to be activists. You know, right now, uh, I'm watching uh, senior centers, as they're called, all over my state coming together and saying, we need to be aware of what laws are being changed and we don't quite understand. Can you explain it? And I think that, you know, education and information for all of us is so that we can choose to thrive. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, I think that's exactly, you're exactly right. And that right now, I think we are very vulnerable in terms of what's happening in this administration and the things that are changing. So educating ourselves really, really helps, uh, you know, really arms us with information and knowledge and, you know, reaching out to senators and Congress people uh, is very important. I know I was in Washington at, that, at the um, Sister Giant Conference in yeah. early February, and mm -hmm. that was a wake-up call for me. And so I'm trying now, I wasn't always political, but I am really, really trying to educate myself on government and, you know, joining the League of Women's Voters and, and getting out there and learning who mm -hmm. is, you know, who, how does New York run and, and the city mm -hmm. and the state. Education for all of us is important. That, I it think is. That really helps to understand. Yeah. Yeah. And the I think the greatest misunderstanding we have is that uh, midlife is not an opportunity to go silent. If, if, if mm, anything, yeah. it's an opportunity to grow. Thank you for today, Virginia. One last question. Yeah. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? Uh, well, as I said in the beginning uh, about um, the thing I've learned about aging is we have all we all have our own timing, and mm. trust your timing. You know it is never ever too late to do anything, to be anything, and to to have anything, and uh, you know to to have the courage just to go after it, really, and um, and become yeah. ourselves. To me, that life is about becoming oneself. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much, everybody. Midlife is not a crisis. Using astrology to thrive in the second half of life, Virginia Bell. Uh, and I just want to just uh, thank all of you for tuning us in and, and turning us on. And I, and I want to remind all of you that uh, you are special. Um, how, what you do in life and how you do it in life doesn't go unnoticed. I know sometimes it may feel like it does, but it doesn't. And please know that you are loved and you are blessed. I also want to make sure you know that we're not done yet. 
the amazing Dr. Friedemann Schaub coming up next. Are you ready? Yeah, it's about women. Stay tuned. He's got lots to say. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.